Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, March 2nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is sad to say two wins in a row, Russ, was not meant to be. I mean, they've only won three in a row once this year. So yeah, it's a lot. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about last night's shutout loss to the Edmonton Oilers. We're going to get into the hockey world's reaction to Russia's attack on Ukraine, and we're going to answer some mailbag questions. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So same lines as practice from last week. So it wasn't a huge surprise. Carter Hart in net. I got to say, I think there were a couple of big problems with this game but the first one to me is just not enough quality chances in front of the net they were taking shots from too far out yeah no question they were taking shots too far out and um i was over on the edmonton side and you know dry settle talked about the uh defenseman basically you know flyers would get one shot they clear it so there were really were no exactly. follow-up shots and you know look koskinen looked okay tonight. I don't think he was super fantastic. And he's had goals, games where he's given up six goals too. So I think they know now they have to play it a certain way with him in there. And I think as the opponent, it's not about just putting shots on net. The shot total didn't mean anything. It was the quality and you were right. Exactly. And I felt like it was especially evident during that failed five on three power play where they would do board work behind the net and scooch the puck out front. And either there was nobody there or it would go too far out and it would give the Oilers a chance to reset and get in the shooting lanes. Yeah, it just looked like, you know, I was watching like Van Riemsdyk on the left side. And if he didn't have a perfect look or a perfect play, he wasn't giving you the max that he could give you on that. And it just, they were looking for the perfect shot and you really shouldn't do that against this, this guy. You really should just go pass, maybe another pass shoot, never more than two. And it's just like, they, they seem to just do that one too many pass and then made it a little easier for Edmonton to clear. Uh, especially in the third period where they actually did have some sustained pressure that looked good for for stretches, but they just weren't getting the right shot. And to me, it felt like there was this weird set of funhouse mirrors in the slot that was preventing them from seeing the net and taking the better opportunities. Because you're right, there were a ton of great ones where if they had just had a better shot, it would have gone right in or gotten around the defensemen. I I mean, it was just exceedingly frustrating. Yeah, and I'm sure it was frustrating for them. And, you know, again, this is where you hope the coach could talk them out of the malaise that they seem to be in again uh, in certain situations. But 
you know, I got to tell you, a lot of watching the Flyers is like Groundhog Day. And deployment is another issue. You know, Isaac Ratcliffe, he was like at six minutes after his first shift in the third period. And he didn't see ice time again until the game was pretty much over with 30 seconds to go or a minute to go. It doesn't make sense. Like, who are you rewarding out there instead of the guy that you're trying to teach and put in some big spots and let him play against, you know, a team like this and see what he can do? I just I don't understand it. Mike Yo did switch it up a little bit in the third period. The Lindblom Lawton Konechny line, I think, was just not feeling it. So, you know, Lindblom got moved down to the third line and JVR went up with Lawton and TK. But I don't think JVR meshes with Lawton and TK as well and, and don't balance each other out. So, I, you know, it may have been better a little bit for Mayhew and Broussard's line to have Lindblom with him. Mm-hmm. But again, to your point, why not up-level Isaac Ratcliffe and give him an extra shift or two in there and, and see what he can do? Yeah, I mean, there, you had nothing to lose. There was never any worry of the Edmonton Oilers that they might lose this game. But, you know, you get a big guy in there, and if he gets, you know, a puck in the crease – he might be able to do something. It just it just seems basic, and I don't know. It's just like, are the Flyers overthinking it? Is just everything that's what's basic about the game not working for them so they don't even think about it? I don't know. Yeah, I was also a little confused with some of the matchups, especially early in the game. It wasn't clear who they wanted to put out against the McDavid line, and I think that caused some problems because there wasn't consistency. Yeah, I mean, you knew it was going to be a problem to – to cover McDavid, but I mean, the Flyers had four tripping penalties. Like if that's not a cry for, we, we just can't keep up with the pace here when, especially when they had the puck in their own zone and they're controlling it and passing it, you know, they were always a step behind and and that's what those tripping penalties were about. They weren't dirty. They just, you know, just couldn't keep up. Exactly. And when, you know, you spend a quarter of the time of the first two periods of the game down a man, that is not going to give you a chance to create anything offensively. No, it really doesn't. And look, again, Carter Hart played a really good game. He he can't do anything else. He couldn't do it better. There was really nothing more for, for him to do. The, um, you know, the Flyers defense, I think for the most part, we're playing okay. I, you know, I, you know, Ristolainen was good. Um, Laid a really big hit in the third period. I thought that was good. But again, deployment for him, you have him on the power play, and all of a sudden he's like stick handling in in the middle of the crease. It's like, why? You don't want him stick handling. He needs to pick a spot out there and just shoot the puck. That's why you have him out there. So like even that, whether that was his choice or it just happened, it just didn't make sense either. It didn't. I I thought... The second Oilers goal that Risto probably could have done a better job of clearing the area in front of the net. I think he got caught a little bit out of position, Mm -hmm. but I think overall he did okay beyond that one play. Uh, It was just a little glaring to me, you know, when, when the puck goes in and you see where he was on the ice, it just felt a little off. You know what that's like? It's kind of like when you uh, used to play musical chairs as a kid Mm -hmm. and you know and then all of a sudden they say stop (laughs) that's what it was like and you know I do want to talk a little bit more about that third period because you know the Oilers are not this good they're just not overall especially defensively and it 
it just felt like the Flyers weren't going to break through, even though they controlled the pace of the game for most of that period. It just never felt like they were going to get back into it. And that's a huge problem. You know, I I saw some guys like connect me on a play or two where there was a, you know, he'd have the puck in the offensive zone. And if it went in the corner and was going around, I just feel like the old connectee would have still been on that puck and trying to battle to get it back. And he was just like, eh, you know what? I'm not going to get that. And and just kind of gave up on it. And it's like, you know, they used to have the um, the phrase hungry for more. That hunger is not there. They showed in the broadcast highlights from that first Flyers-Oilers game back in October that we talked about on yesterday's show for the preview. And you're just like, man, that was a different team. That was a different team. (laughs) They should have just shown it in like black and white and had no, you know, no audio at all. And we would have been like, oh, okay, this is like the Flyers of yesteryear. I get that. All right. Well, hopefully they can recover up against the wild in a couple of days. But, you know, the bar is low. We'll see how that goes. But we'll be talking a little bit about the situation in Ukraine and how the hockey world is reacting to Russia's actions in terms of, you know, restricting Russia's ability to play hockey in the world. But first, we're going to hear about our friends at Built Bar. This is the time of the year that you might have given up on New Year's resolutions, but I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All Built Bars, including those Puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They have so many delicious flavors like mint brownie coconut and coconut almond. New for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. New flavors are out coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make it delicious first and then figure out how to go make it healthy. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with the best analysis from all our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So there's been a lot going on in the world, Russ, to say the least. Yeah. But it's also touched the hockey world obviously with a lot of sports and the IOC and other sports federations commenting on what's going on in Ukraine as well as taking you know punitive steps against Russian and Belarus uh, sport federations in order to kind of be a part of a, a world reaction to aggression by Russia into Ukraine and 
So a bunch of different uh, hockey administrative bodies have done some things as of yet. So the IIHF right now has banned their national teams from Russia and Belarus uh, from all IIHF tournaments indefinitely and removed the 2023 World Juniors from Russia. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Like um, this summer, you have the World Juniors being played and the Ivan Holinka, which is the Gretzky Holinka. They renamed that, right? So, yes. you know, Wayne Gretzky came out and spoke out about that. That's going to be like a three-week span of a lot of hockey. They're not going to be in that. They're not going to be in the World Championships is my guess. They're, like you said, World Juniors being taken away, a pretty big deal. Uh, then other things, they're going to wait until after August, which, okay, I mean, whatever. I don't know what that's about. But the the only thing, though, while you're doing all this, and I agree with all of it, it's great. I kind of wonder what's going to happen to Canadians, Americans, Swedes, everybody who's involved with NATO countries for players that are still playing in the KHL who have to finish out the season and then try to get the hell out of there. Because clearly next year there's not going to be any imports going there because, you know, the ruble's crashing and why would they want to? So that's the only thing I worry about is that. Well, let's talk about the KHL because two teams that play in the league outside of the borders of Russia have decided to remove themselves from the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. Jokrit in Finland and Dynamo Riga in Latvia, both withdrew. And, you know, Jokerit was supposed to play in the playoffs and they yeah. they decided to bail, which is, you know, a huge deal for them. It's a huge deal. And I, I give them a lot of credit and it's definitely going to hurt the players in the sense that they'd want to play. But I'm sure they all are in full lockstep with this. It's terrific. And, you know, in that league, I kind of like wonder what's going to happen to Kunlun Red Star, because even though they are friends with China, uh, they're kind of on their own island now. Like, who, you know, are they still going to be able to get there and play and everything? You kind of wonder about that, too. Yeah, that's the one team, I think, that, you know, has the most to lose by leaving the KHL in terms of the program that they've been trying to build there, as well as the highest volume of import players mm-hmm. on their team. You know, we saw their Olympic team that was basically, you know, Vanka Rays as well. And there's a lot of North American players that have been playing over in China. So I'm very curious to see what happens there. So far, as far as I'm aware, they have not made any changes. Nope, no changes. But uh, I've heard that it may not be the greatest financial situation. So you kind of wonder. So we'll see. Exactly. So as part of the IIHF announcements. USA Hockey and Hockey Canada also announced that they wouldn't play against Russia no matter what name or flag they fly under. This, I think, you know, along with some of the other local federations led to the IIHF stamping out any possibility of of Russia being a participant because, you know, the federations weren't going to accept anything otherwise. You know, again, I get everything that we're doing against Russia. I don't think Fans should take um, glee in booing any Russian players because even Alex Ovechkin, like his his loyalty to, to you know Putin is baked in to him at a very young age. And maybe one day he will come to the realization that 
it's bad for him and he doesn't want to do it. But right now may not be the time because he has family and, and people to worry about. I think you have to consider that for all players everywhere. And it's easy for us to sort of say, and I have Russian ancestry, but, you know, in 1900, my great-grandmother fled Russia. And for good reason. You can go look that up on Google if you want. But the idea is we have to be consistent. These bodies have to be consistent for anything that happens with any nation now going forward. This is great that they're doing it with Russia, but now they have to do it for all of these kind of conflicts if they, you know, happen to affect the sports world or the hockey world. Yeah, so let's take a look at what the NHL has been doing. And honestly, I didn't expect them to do very much just because you know it seemed to have less of a connection or less of a reason to to make any statements or comments but they did and they said that they were suspending all operations and sponsorships with russian businesses uh, which is part of an overall i think north american sanction effort yeah yeah and they cut off their Russian language NHL social media and website. The website's and, very popular. Mm-hmm. Like we shouldn't underestimate that. Mm-hmm. I know people that work on that or have worked on it, and you know you feel bad because that may they may lose their job or they may have to reassign them. But I, I applaud this effort because they have other um, language websites, the NHL, you know, foreign language websites. So they do. And, and people don't, I don't know if everybody knows that because, you know, it's a, they do good work on that. They absolutely do. So that is an additional step that they took. They're also not going to consider Russia as a location for future, future NHL in Europe events like they've done in the past. And, you know, they had an official condemnation of the attack on Ukraine. And so that is absolutely making a political statement. You know, it's never going to happen. That Russian transfer agreement with players. That's, that's, (laughs) that's, that until Putin is no longer in power, that's never going to happen. I should also mention that uh, individual teams are doing things or making statements. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets had a Ukrainian chorus sing the national anthem at a game that they were hosting. And Winnipeg has a large Ukrainian population. Canada in general does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, New York and Canada have significant uh, Ukrainian populations. So it, it makes sense. But I think that it's a lot more, I th- in my opinion, than I personally would have expected from the NHL. Agreed. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, and, and, and I can plead possibly my own ignorance, is I may know more people with Ukrainian backgrounds than I even realized. And I know things happened back in 2014, uh, bad things, but not as bad as now. But still bad things. And, you know, I, I probably was not tuned in enough then to to know, like, maybe what people or, you know, acquaintances were being affected that I know. And and now it seems more obvious. So, you know, I think we're a lot of us here in the States are just learning about these things. Like, I didn't even know how large of a population there was in Canada until someone told me not that long ago. 
Yeah, I think it's something we all could stand to do to educate ourselves a little bit more on some of these things happening around the world and in our own backyards. And, you know, hockey isn't immune to them, as we've seen. And, you know, we'll stay tuned to see what else may occur as a result of this. We don't know how long the invasion is going to last uh, and, you know, what's going on with Ukraine and their European European Union status and, and all of that. So, you know, we'll see if there's more to come from the hockey world. All right. So we are going to finish out today's episode with a little dip into our mailbag, Russ. And uh, we got a lovely email from Cristiano and he was also from New York. So yay. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. And uh, had a lot of really good points, like things that we have been talking about uh, related to trading Ristolainen at the trade deadline, as well as Braun. We've talked a lot about that in terms of the strategy. But I think, you know, the question that he brings up is a good one in terms of who are we calling up or trying to sign at the end of this season in order to get them playing experience? So obviously Tyson Forster has been injured, but Noah Cates getting Cam York up here, Bobby Brink. Do you think they sign Noah Cates and Bobby Brink and will they get NHL time? I think they will make the attempt to sign both. Uh, Brink can still go back. Uh, I think Cates will come, uh, Jack St. Ivany, who is a defenseman, would be a good one. I don't think any of them are ready for the NHL, no. So I think no matter what, you have to start them in the AHL. Uh, the part that he brought up about, you know, Risto and the cap, unfortunately, the cap doesn't carry over like he's a UFA. So it doesn't help in next year's cap crunch. It'd be great if some of these college players could play in the NHL, but they're really not ready. I've watched them all this year, and they're all, you know, doing well, but they're not ready. And so you have to give them that time. And so, you know, hey, if somebody's really advanced, then you'll find that out next year. But right now, Tanner Lusinski is ahead of those guys, as an example. Yeah, I agree with you there about Tanner Lusinski. I mean, just in the few games he's played since being back from injury, he's just shown that his hockey IQ is right there where he yep. left off. And he has a little bit of work to do to get his endurance back up. But mm-hmm. I think he's in really good shape. So I'm hoping to see him maybe get a shot at the end of the season. Yep. The next question comes from our friend JD over at Locked On Sharks. And I think he's in a little bit of a competition here because he wants to know who gets a better haul at the trade deadline between Claude Giroux and Hurdle. It's a good question. I think that Giroux will get a slightly better haul uh, simply because he's more experienced, better on faceoffs. Now, Hurdle's the better scorer, but obviously Cora Giroux is a pretty good scorer, too. So I do think Giroux is going to get a little more. So in other words, I could see the first for both. I could see the top prospect slash close NHL player for both. And then that third piece, I could see that extra draft pick being higher for Giroux than it will be for Hurdle. But again, it all depends what teams are looking and who's willing to overspend. Exactly. I do think they will get similar return. I do think also that the expectation on a return for Hurdle is much higher right now. I think that expectation is a little bit more overinflated. I think most people are pretty realistic about what the 
return should be for Claude Giroux. And, you know, we've detailed it a bunch of times, but I just think, you know, some people are saying they want two firsts for Hurdle, and I think they're crazy. It's not happening, yeah. But if you think about what the Sharks got, what they got a first for Goudreau, was that a couple years ago, right, for, out of Tampa? That's they, true. They, had, they have been able to pull some magic. Yeah, I just would be shocked if it was that much. Me too. But I do think that he'll he'll get a lot in return. It just won't yeah. be that much. All right. Speaking of once in future San Jose Sharks, um, <laughs> what is the return possibility for dealing Martin Jones? Third round pick. Yeah. I'm wondering if they just go straight for the pick option with him or they maybe try and get a player in return. I don't think the player's worth it in this case. The the pick, like, if they're going to give me a third this year or if a team has, like, you know, multiple seconds coming and they go, like, 2024 20, second, I'm still going to take the third this year. I always want to take the known rather than the unknown unless it's a difference of a first and a third, which we're talking about Martin Jones, so it won't be. So, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think that's fair. It's just... I, I guess a third round pick's a third round pick, and you can always turn it around for something else, right? I, I'll give you a good one that the audience should go look up, who I'm going to be writing about soon. Alex Laferriere is a third round pick from the Los Angeles Kings, playing for Harvard. Go look up his numbers. He's been nothing less than spectacular this year in the ECAC for Harvard. So it can work out very well at times. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. All right, this is a tough one. When Claude Giroux is dealt, who is the next captain of the Philadelphia Flyers? You know, it's interesting. I know we all thought back in the day, not that long ago, it'd probably be Sean Couturier. Uh, I'm going to go Cam Atkinson. That's who I think it's going to be. I think I agree with you. I mean, obviously, they're not going to name a captain for the remainder of this season. It's going to no. wait until next season uh, for sure. But... I would not be surprised if it's Cam Atkinson. I also would not be surprised if it's Kevin Hayes. Could be. I th- I think he's a, a leadership players guy, locker room guy. He stuck around this whole time when he's been hurt and mm-hmm. just wants to be part of a team. And I do think he has it in him. He's had an A. Um, I, I do think it, it's possible that it could be Kevin Hayes. But I like Cam Atkinson as well. I think he would make an excellent captain. Yeah, either way is fine. All right, last question. This is a theoretical about hockey in general. Would you change anything about overtime or the shootout to make it more effective since it seems to have kind of lulled over the last few years? Well, I mean, I would go with the longer overtime. So what have they talked about, 10 minutes? I go with the ten minute overtime because then I think there would be less shootouts. The only other thing I would say that could be different in the shootout that I'd be okay with is use use whoever you want as many times as you want. I don't care. Oh, I like that one. If you're gonna have a shootout, just you can send the same person out every time, every time, and it doesn't matter. I like that. I do. I think for me, I would just get rid of loser points. Oh, I would too, but that's not going to happen. Look, this is theoretical. This isn't. Practical. Oh yeah, true, <laughs> true. We're in a we're in a theoretical world right now where we're yeah. both rich and we're doing this um, from Hawaii, and so yeah, all right, that's fine. 
Yeah, I would just say if you lose the game, no matter how you lose the game, you get zero points. And that's the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) No points for you. No points. No points for you. All right. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. I am constantly impressed by arena changeover crews. And what Mm -hmm. they can do, and the Flyers put out a TikTok a ways back that showed not just, you know, hockey to basketball or reverse, but they included the wings. They included a concert in this video, and it just looks really cool going between all of the different kinds of activities at the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, I witnessed it a lot, and they had it again the other day, and we have to walk in certain lanes and... You know, these they're yelling, get the boards in, get the pads in, get, you know, all this stuff. And we're trying to just not get killed while we're walking to, to the interview room. So I don't know how they do it. It's a skill. I just call it magic every time, every time. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. I'm super excited because we're doing a Locked On crossover show with our friend Seth over at Locked On Wild to get ready for that game. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Locked On Flyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.